Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money only on Money FM 89.3. All right. So yesterday, somebody sent me this cute little meme. You know, 2020, and then underneath it, 2021, and then the one had turned into an injection to symbolize, you know, the vaccinations rolling out around the world. So I said, "Oh, hey, are you going to be stocking up then on glove manufacturers? Because that's what one of my guests had discussed on my show with me. How with all those vaccines being rolled out, there's going to be an increased need for gloves because those vaccines need to be administered, right?" And then my friend laughed and he said, "Oh no, you know, I'm just enjoying the riding up of equities and commodities in the U.S. stock market." So, and then we discuss how even though some U.S. stocks are at an all-time high, some strategists see the S&P 500 rising even further in 2021, propelled by robust profit growth, massive stimulus from governments and central bank, and a an economy that still has headroom to grow stronger. But not everybody shares that view. Some Feel that market returns could be less robust because a lot of the gains from next year have could have already been priced in. So could there be more downsides and upsides in the short term? We're going to find out. I've invited Wilfred Lim, Executive Director for BMFA Wealth Management, on Money and Me. Good morning, Wilfred. Morning, Michelle. Great to How have you, you on. I'm very well and very happy to speak with you. I wonder if you can share with listeners what are some of the main themes that you are going to be looking. At as you craft your portfolio for 2021. All right. So um, yeah, I think there's a main uh, overarching theme that I'm looking at, and that's the de-dollarization. So um, you know, and it's in two aspects. One of it is the U.S. dollar uh, losing its value, uh, not so much against other currencies per se, but against tangible stuff like uh, real estate or commodities, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, and the other part is uh, the physical version, uh, maybe not only of of the U.S. dollar, but uh, our fiat currency as a whole, uh, may start to lose its utility. Right. Just um, just sum it all up. Uh, the U.S. dollar has a history of about um, I think it's 220 years uh, since the 1800s, uh, but we have created 20% of the USD in circulation in just this year alone. Yeah, so I I think de-dollarization uh, is going to be a, a big theme next year. Uh, so the sub themes that come out from this uh, first, uh, I would say probably the the CBDCs, uh, central bank digital currencies. Mm. This is uh, quite an interesting up and coming narrative that we're seeing. Uh, a lot of the world central banks are already exploring the idea of uh, digitizing their fiat currency uh, with some form of blockchain technology. Right. Uh, earlier in October, we had China testing the digital renminbi, uh, and I'm surprised to find out that in Singapore as well, uh, we have this project Ubin, mm. and it actually started in 2016. Yeah, so it's a, a project, a collaborative project with the industry to explore the use of blockchain and distributed ledger uh, for clearing and settlement of payments and securities. So, so that's uh, interesting to to see. Uh, and we also have the U.S. and Europe. Uh, they have talked about the digital dollar and the digital euro as well. You know, so for this theme, uh, you know, this may lead to uh, existing digital assets like Bitcoin and, and Ether uh, becoming more mainstream and regulated, uh, but in a good way. Yeah. 
So um, the other sub-themes that I'm looking at are the emerging markets. So because the US dollar, uh, you know, has been depreciating and may depreciate further next year, mm-hmm. uh, along with low interest rates of holding the US dollar, uh, a lot of capital uh, fund flows may flow into emerging markets like China and Vietnam uh, and South Korea, you know, that uh, we've talked about some of it uh, previously. Yep. Yeah. And of course, uh, a big theme that's coming up, uh, it's commodities. Uh, so if if I were to break it down, commodities, uh, there are many different types of commodities mm-hmm. and uh, even sub-themes within the commodities. Firstly, the big one would be the store of value. So we'll be looking at uh, gold and silver uh, that we've been talking about for the longest time. Uh, and also recently, the big hype on Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Silver's <laughs> up as well. That, those are big themes that you've given us. De-dollarization. So you're seeing yes. significant moves uh, in terms of this happening in 2021, Wilfred, just to be clear? Yeah, 2021 uh, and beyond. So um, I think that the, the attention is shifting more to the commodities uh, right now, you know, like you mentioned previously. Mm. Um, And what do you make of Bitcoin's rise? Uh, It is currently going at 22,000 USD. Do you you think there is momentum there? Where does it sit within, again, your argument for de-dollarization? Yeah, so I think previously we talked about this uh, six characteristics of money. Uh, So we have durability, you know, it's able to withstand wear and tear. Uh, portability, we can transfer it around easily, it's divisible by much smaller denominations, it's interchangeable, fungible, uh, your one Bitcoin and my one Bitcoin are, are the same thing, right? They're worth the same. Uh, there's a limited supply of 21 million Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last one is acceptability, which uh, previously it was still in doubt, uh, but now it's slowly becoming uh, acceptable, it's gaining traction, even among the regulators, they're discussing how we can assimilate this into our financial system. Yeah, so uh, I think it's it's inevitable. Uh, I'm not going to speculate on price here, uh, but I think it, it is uh, becoming a, a sound form of uh, money, if, if we were to put it that way. Yeah. This is a wonderful, huge theme for us uh, to dive into. So sh- does de-dollarization then mean um, good things for other currencies? How could the transition uh, to other currencies play out? Um, well, I, I'm, I'm actually not, not a big fan of uh, fiat currencies, right? Mm. The, the narrative behind it. So any form of other fiat currencies uh, may not do well. So that's why I'm looking at commodities. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, so we have the store of value. Um, there's also the economic and industrial side uh, as well with oil uh, as we start to travel more next year, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, jet fuel, the demand for jet fuel may drive uh, oil prices up. Uh, increased manufacturing for, for industrial metals like copper. Uh, and there's also a big theme of uh, clean energy uh, with the Biden administration uh, coming in next year. Uh, you know, there's there, there's uh, anticipation of a big push for clean energy. So, um, so, so many things to talk about. Uh, there's lithium for for your EVs, uh, platinum as well. Uh, silver uh, is also used in a lot of solar panels. Mm. Yeah, uh, and a big one that 
that is not talked about much is uranium. Yeah, so we always link that to the dangerous nuclear Bombs. reactor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I I recently found out that it's it's you know still used. We still have uh, nuclear reactors around the world, mm. uh, and as tech improves and the safety improves. Uh, it's actually a very good uh, and sustainable source of clean energy as well. Yeah, in fact, I was reading just before the elections, uh, people were thinking Biden's victory could be a boon for uranium, um, you know, given his politics around nuclear power. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. So if we look at the NASDAQ, it's hit record highs this year. 2020, a landmark year for stocks trading on NASDAQ. Uh, the NASDAQ has dramatically outpaced the gains of other major benchmarks, showing the strength of the companies that call NASDAQ home. So if we look at the NASDAQ up more than 40% this year, Wilfred, do you think yeah. it could do the same next year? Uh, I I wouldn't rule out the Nasdaq making uh, newer highs next year, uh, but to do another forty percent gain, uh, that would definitely surprise me. Mm. Yeah, because uh, it, the tech sector, you know, is really hot. Although there there are fundamentals uh, driving it behind, uh, but we also see a lot of loss making and negative cash flow companies, uh, say maybe Airbnb or DoorDash that have more than double in price on their IPO debuts, right? So there's some concerns of uh, the dot-com bubble creeping in, uh, you know, so companies like Fastly, Fiverr, uh, maybe even Tesla, um, they, they still haven't proven themselves in terms of their balance sheet and income statement. So, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see uh, maybe a 10 to 15% pullback first uh, before we make new highs next year. Right. So with vaccines being rolled out, do you think there's increasing interest to diversify? Could investors be looking away from tech stocks? Do you see that momentum increasing? Uh, yeah, uh, I guess, you know, we can put it that way. But um, tech is here to stay. Mm. Right. Uh, this year has just shown that um, COVID has accelerated the adoption of technology. Uh, but it's here to stay for, for many years to come. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, uh, my focus for 2021 will be the de-dollarization theme as well as the sub-themes of commodities and all that. Uh, and also because it's so much less covered than the whole you know, tech narrative for the past few years. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, when you look at the narrative for the year, the year ahead, 2021, what do you think could rattle markets? What are you going to be looking out for? Uh, well, mm, not not to sound too uh, pessimistic. Mm. Uh, the big worry I have is uh, hyperinflation, right? Mm. So back in August, the Fed has shifted its policy to allow for inflation to run higher than two uh, percent uh, to achieve an average inflation of two percent. So my concern is that when this happens, uh, it may be too late uh, to curb inflation uh, and it may overshoot out of control. So this will cause, uh, cause a lot of our you know, goods, the prices of our goods to rise rapidly uh, and we, we may be unable to afford even basic necessities like food and water, uh, not only for the lower income, maybe even the, the middle income. Yeah, um, so this is one. And um, the flip side of technology as well, uh, you know, with AI and robotics coming in, 
technology is uh, replacing a lot of our jobs out there, whether we like it or not. Uh, and it's happening faster than ever after this year. So we, we can see you know, increased unemployment, uh, wider income disparity, uh, and this could lead to civil unrest like we saw in uh, Venezuela from, from inflation. Yeah, so main concern is uh, stagflation for me next year and the years to come, uh, where there's high inflation, but also high unemployment and uh, little to no economic growth. Wow, that is, uh, that is fairly depressing. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I gave the disclaimer first. You did, you did. <laughs> and I heard your dog agreeing with you in the background, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, Tesla, last last night news came out, Tesla is going to be, you know, is part of the S&P 500. It is clearly yeah. the most valuable car company. Are markets telling you which way things are moving forward? Just curious for the auto industry. I mean, are you at all curious about that? Um. Uh, in in what sense? In the, in the auto industry? industry, in terms of it moving forward, electric vehicles. I mean, are you, are you looking at allocations in that area at all? Yes. So definitely, um, I see the the EV space as part of the the tech uh, narrative. So the entire auto industry, they are playing catch up um, to Tesla, right? Uh, and there are quite a few names. Uh, shifting towards that, a lot of speculative names as well. Um, right now, I still think that Tesla is the leader by leaps and bounds. Uh, in terms of their valuations, they may be a little stretched at this point in time. Uh, but for now, I'm still only looking at Tesla. Uh, but I don't just categorize them as uh, uh, automaker. Mm. Uh, they have clean energy as well, uh, in terms of solar panels. And they're also going into insurance. Uh, which is really interesting and something to look out for. We will be looking out for that for sure. All right, yeah. Wilfred, how are you feeling about December 28th? Uh, not too much. <laughs> not too much. It will change for me, actually. Uh, ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Because, you know, in some sector, in some areas, you hear a lot of euphoria and people planning a lot you know, to, to release the, some of the social distancing measures. And we hope it doesn't lead to complacency, of course. But when you look at Singapore, the domestic market, which sectors do you see really benefiting from phase three and that reopening there? Um, well, I, re- I really hate to, you know, beat down on our local uh, economy. Mm. But uh, I think I mentioned before, right, the Singapore uh, domestic market is just too small for our companies to thrive, uh, e- even if we have zero cases locally, mm. uh, while the rest of the world is struggling. So, yeah, it's all nice. Uh, we've been going out everywhere. It's crowded. You know, there's a lot of uh, activity and buzz going on with the festivities. Uh, that's, that's really nice, but uh, I don't think it's, it's uh, big enough to help our economy as a whole. Yeah. So we need to look out for um, our, our neighboring countries, how they recover and how we open our borders to them. Uh, we tried opening our borders to Hong Kong earlier this month, but uh, we had to retract that because of the situation over there. Yep. So, yeah, if, if I'm interested in investing in the Singapore market, uh, I'll be monitoring the COVID situations of uh, our top five uh, tourist visitor countries uh, like China, Indonesia, India, Malaysia and Australia. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll monitor their situation and, you know, look out for signs that our government is slowly uh, opening our borders to them. 
Uh, so far out of five, I think only China seems to have the situation under control. Mm. Uh, so fingers crossed, uh, you know, hopefully uh, they can improve so that they can come visit us and enjoy this together. He's Executive Director of BMFA Wealth Management, Wilfred Lim, letting us understand how investors think of the road ahead and think through the road ahead. What is your outlook, uh, Wilfred, for the um, travel sector? Maybe we can you know, do it as a group, travel, hospitality, retail. Some people feel that with us all locked in here in Singapore, that the spend that would have been outbound is going to benefit retail and therefore the, the REITs are going to benefit what is your outlook broadly for travel, hospitality, and the retail sectors? Mm, you mean um, within Singapore? No, it doesn't have to be. Doesn't have ah, to okay. Be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think next year, you know, um, if assuming the vaccine uh, rolls out according to plan, mm. uh, these sectors tend to, to benefit greatly because um, everyone is just dying to travel, um, you know, and dying to, to get out there and that the whole pent-up frustration of, you know, not being locked down and being uh, unhappy with the whole situation. Mm. So, yeah, I think this sector uh, looks to, you know, benefit greatly. Uh, but like you see um, yesterday, past few days, right, we have new strains coming out and all that and also adverse reactions to the vaccine. So this can be uh, black swan events uh, that we can't predict next year. So, yeah, it's going to be a choppy uh, recovery, I think, next year for this, this sector. Are there any sectors of particular interest to you when it comes to wealth allocation? Uh, the digital asset space. So, you know, DBS uh, announced that they are rolling out their digital exchange. Yeah. Right. So that, that was a big surprise. Uh, I didn't expect, you know, such a, a big brand uh, in Singapore to, to adopt this so quickly. Yeah, so for now, it's only for accredited investors. And uh, I think they, they only have four cryptocurrencies that they're supporting. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they expand their reach uh, and product offerings you know, and make it easier for, for the layman uh, investors to get into this. Mm, okay, well, you've given us so much food for thought, Wilfred. Thank you so much for letting us into, um, you know, your viewpoint into how you're looking at uh, portfolios for 2021. Really appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks for having me. Wilfred Lim, Executive Director of BMFA Wealth Management, uh, giving us a lot of insight right here on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.